Before I read Daniel chapter 6, I want to give you a summary of where we are in Daniel's life at this season. So by the time we get to this place and this portion, this season in Daniel's life, he has experienced many personal injustices, betrayals by peers, tests of faith, trials, temptations, those that are trying to pull him off course, get him to move away from the foundation of faith that he has. Uh, there are those that uh, did some character assassination attempts on Daniel. And just to give you a few uh, caveats from his life, uh, he was taken captive as a teenager by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. Uh, that was no small situation. Uh, king uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in, traveled over 500 miles, and took the brightest and best out of Judea. His first his first attack upon uh, the people of God, he took 10,000 people captive and uh, he took all of the leaders and all of those that were aspiring to be leaders and he took them back to Babylon. And in Babylon, he was going to indoctrinate them into a new culture, a new educational system, a new way of living. And uh, he was going to do it by coercing them through the best. He was going to offer his best foods to them, the best wine of the land. He was going to roll out the red carpet and make it seem that what he was offering them was better than what they ever had before. And so Daniel had already gone through a sequence of tests in regards to not partaking of the king's delicacies or drinking of his wine. He uh, even asked uh, the president of the university that if he could just feed he and his friends uh, with vegetables for 10 days and then at the end of those 10 days look at their countenance and determine whether they were healthier or not healthier and and Daniel and his friends were notably more healthy because they didn't compromise and cave in to the culture and even though the king had everything uh, as far as at his disposal power promotion prominence uh, Daniel knew that real promotion came from the Lord. And so he just stayed steadfast and stayed true to his faith. And even though this separation of 500 miles was, was probably something that was very painful, we're going to read something that's very encouraging this morning. So you may feel like you're in a separate land living in foreign soil. And in a sense, we are because we're known as, as sojourners in this life that those of us who have partaken of God's goodness and have been born again have a foretaste of the spirit and of the life that is to come. And so this world becomes, we view it differently when we come to Christ. There, there was a time where maybe we were in love with this world. We looked to this world. We longed for the attention and, and the acceptance of this world. But when we found Christ, Everything became new. We became new creatures in Christ. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. And really, the world loses its grip on us. It doesn't mean we're not tempted or tested, but, you know, it's just, you know, we see things much clearer now because our eyes have been opened through the Lord Jesus Christ. So being separated from your family, imagine that the way that you were educated, your core beliefs, your place of worship, a good portion of your friends in a completely foreign land with different gods, different beliefs. I mean, that's a very challenging place to be as a teenager. And yet Daniel and the story of Daniel is one of the most inspirational stories in all of God's word. So Daniel 
Daniel found favor in spite of all of the difficulties he faced. Every time he made a decision, God vindicated him as his servant. And he found favor with the leaders and was consistently promoted in an environment where people were against him and were actually doing things to keep him from being promoted. But now in chapter 6, I think he faces one of the greatest series of tests in his young life. And we're going to see how Daniel's going to respond. Let's begin in the first verse. So it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Now, there's been a change in leadership. Nebuchadnezzar is moved away from leadership. Darius is now in uh, the governing position. And he begins to set his cabinet in place. He begins to put people in prominent positions to govern and to rule and to reign the land. And it says in verse t- uh, 2, And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Everybody say, excellent spirit. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps uh, thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except for you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the uh, writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early years. Every say pray and gave thanks. Now, do you think there's a correlation between having an excellent spirit and being a person of prayer and thanksgiving? Do you think they're somewhat related? Let's continue to read. Verse 11. Now these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions Any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And the king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due respect for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petitions three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Uh, uh, I want to 
interject here that when all of the leaders presented this new piece of legislation before King Darius, King Darius made an assumption that Daniel was a part of that collaboration. And now he finds out it's just the opposite. The only one who wasn't included in that conversation was Daniel. And now Darius says, I've been set up. And, you know, if you set a leader up and try to make him look like a fool, it's going to bite you. That's just a little caveat. It's going to come back and bite you. So King Darius isn't a leader outside of God's sovereignty. And with that, there comes an initial and an ongoing grace for him to have discernment. So he's discerning someone is trying to set this Daniel up. And it bothered him enough that he began to inquire. And through the course of the day, he tried to turn over every stone. He tried to figure out how this legislative legislative uh, piece of information got to him. And then he's probably even personally frustrated that, you know, he signed it without validating all of the steps that it had to take. And so, but at the end of the day, the law was the law. And the law had to be kept. And so we're going to go into verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then then these men approached the king and they said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his Lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king, when he went to his palace, spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose early, very early in the morning, and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? 
who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lion. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. And God bless the reading of his word. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Facing the greatest test of his life, how did Daniel respond? Wow, what a sequence of events we just read about. I could say that Daniel, it's said of him, maintained an excellent spirit. And I I think you know that he had plenty of reasons to take offenses, to get angry, to become bitter in his spirit, to cave into peer pressure and the corruption of the culture and the government. But he allowed his faith and his love for the Lord, God Almighty, to guide and to govern his decisions. Could have taken alternative paths, but he, he, he chose to stay on the correct path, the narrow path. And the straight path. And so Daniel. Daniel was a person of substance. And the test he faced. Revealed his devotion to the Lord. We understand that when we take a test. We get a score. And the score reveals. The amount that we know. And who we are. It didn't create anything. It just revealed. Have we. Been staying true to the course. There's two times in chapter 6 where Scripture says that others recognize Daniel's steadfast walk with the Lord and use this phrase, he serves God continually. And I, I pray that that would be an earmark of us at LWF, that we don't serve God occasionally, we serve God continually. That others, through observing our lifestyle. And the way that we conduct ourselves would say that this is a group of people that just doesn't go to church. They walk with God and they have a relationship with God. And it's not just hit and miss, but it's consistent. They're continually growing and they're changing and they're looking to the Lord. What a great thing to strive for and what a wonderful reputation to have amongst other people. Even those that oppose us, when they see the faith and the steadfastness of our love for the Lord end up being persuaded that our convictions are not just fly-by-night decisions. They're not just something that we hold on to loosely or lightly, but they're something that we hold near and dear to our heart. They're something that we embrace. And it's the thing that makes us people of substance, is our faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. All of the injustices, all of the betrayals, all of the tests, all the trials that Daniel went through are examples unto us. And just as he was committed to serving the Lord, I think that as we make that decision, no matter what comes, no matter what, you know, laws are legislated, no matter, you know, how alluring the temptation is to have wealth or prominence or promotion, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to allow God to promote me. I'm staying on the path that pleases him. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. So Daniel maintained that excellent spirit. I want to share several things that I gleaned from this chapter. I think, first of all, he had a firm foundation. I think before he ever was taken into captivity, Scripture said he has already purposed in his heart that he was going to serve the Lord, which which communicates to me that he had an experience with God. He he just didn't know about God. He began to know God at a young age. And that's a great blessing. Uh, I wish I would have begun to know the Lord at a younger age than I did. 
You know, I began to walk with the Lord at 13, but I wish I would have been five or six or seven. And um, but I'll take 13. I mean, for some people, it's in their 20s, 30s, some or, you know, come to faith in Christ later on in life in their 40s and 50s and even older. But no matter when or, you know, what season it was that you came to Christ, that's the season where all things become new, where your the lights come on and life comes into you. And what kind of life? The life of God, eternal life comes into you at that moment. And, and everything begins to change. And Daniel had that foundation of faith at a very young age. And he learned, no matter where he was, that God was with him. He bloomed where he was planted. Even though he was... 500 miles away from his hometown and everything that was familiar, he didn't look at it as a negative. He knew God was with him. And that's evident, isn't it? Three times a day, he opened up his windows, faced Jerusalem, and began to pray and to give thanks unto God. I would say, number two, he had a great respect and understanding of authority. We can see how he interacts with those that are even bound by law to put him in to the lion's den. He honored King Darius. Earlier in his life, he interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's prayer. This is the man that came and took him from his family and took him from his home. And yet he came into the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar, who had done all of these things to him. And he served him and he interpreted his dreams. He had a, he was wise beyond his years. He had a firm foundation. He bloomed where he was planted. And he had an understanding that if you fight authority, ultimately you're fighting God. And that's not a fight you can win. So he purposed in his heart at a very young age that he was not going to take arms against authority. It didn't mean that he agreed with everything that they were doing, but he did pray for them, having opportunities to be called into their presence. He did counsel them. He did not try to seek vengeance. He did not try to undermine them. He did what was right before the Lord, and the Lord constantly promoted him and blessed him. Say the third thing that I read from this chapter that's very enlightening to me was Daniel put a guard on his heart. And our heart is the the most precious part of who we are physically and also spiritually. And he he protected his heart. We we talk about our heart health from a physical or a biological standpoint. and, And we should do all that we can to have a healthy heart. Well, we should do the same thing spiritually. We should do everything that we can to maintain a tender and a pliable heart. How do you know when your heart isn't healthy physically? Well, it gets a lot of buildup. How do you know when your heart isn't healthy spiritually? A lot of things get built up. Unresolved issues. And if we're not careful, it hardens us. You know, if you have uh, hardening of the arteries, that's not a good thing. They have to go in and do a rotor-rooter job on you, right? And the same thing is true spiritually, that the Holy Spirit comes in And if there's areas of our heart that are hardened or calloused, he begins to apply the oil 
to those areas of our life and he begins to soften and tenderize us. But that's something that happens as we guard our heart. And one of the ways we guard our heart is by guarding the entrances into our heart. And the entrances to our heart are your ears and your eyes, also your hands and your feet. And they all tell a story. And so we have to make sure that we're aligning our eyes where they need to be aligned. We're opening our ears to only those things that they need to be receptive and open to. Walking where we need to be walking and handling what we need to be handling because all of that impacts us. Uh, I could tell you dozens of examples and not to exasperate the point, but I know many people who are Christians, but they're calloused Christians. They say they're listening to Christian ministers, but Christian ministers don't peddle things that cause someone's heart to become hard. Not a good minister. A good minister is interested in the heart of the hearer because they know that's where life comes from. Death and life are a very important subject matter when it comes to Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you understand those two subject matters, you understand the essence and the foundation of why Scripture had to be written because death and life are part of what we experience. So we have to guard our heart like Daniel did. He had a forgiving and a tender heart, even against those that trespassed against him. So what were some other things that caused Daniel to become this person of substance? We can also read through the account of his life that he was committed to God's word. He knew when the days of captivity would be over. He studied the book of Jeremiah and his contemporaries. He knew of Ezra and Nehemiah and all of the the contemporaries of Jeremiah in his day. And he understood what Scripture had to say prophetically. And because of that, some of the richest and most in-depth teaching on the end times is written in the latter part of the book of Daniel. He was a person that was studious when it came to Scripture. We've already mentioned that he was a person of prayer. But I want to finish by saying that he was a person that understood the power of thanksgiving. Everybody say power. Power. You know, when we talk about power, we think about authority sometimes. And and that's a a very easy, easily uh, correlated two words, power and authority. And so if you want to understand how authority works, understand the importance of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can be likened to a thermostat. It sets the temperature or the environment of a room. When we give thanks to the Lord, we are setting the correct environment for his spirit to protect our hearts from becoming hard or calloused. We are protecting our hearts from vindicating ourselves. We are protecting our hearts from taking vengeance or becoming unforgiving or bitter towards those who oppose the faith. Daniel's reputation was one of honor and integrity because he chose the high road of thanksgiving. Scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, one of the most challenging verses in Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, do all things without grumbling and complaining. I don't know if you just felt someone just land on your toes, but... I think I just stepped on my own toes. 
Do all things without grumbling and complaining. So let's use an illustration that we can all relate to that's very practical and hopefully non-offensive. The weather. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about the weather over the last seven or eight days? Early mornings, correct. Was it one of thanksgiving or was it one of complaining? Did you say anything about living in Iowa right now? As opposed in June or July when everything was so green and the flowers were blooming and the temperatures were warm and you could ride your bike or go golfing, go for a walk, go fishing, enjoy nature. But there is a real beauty in winter. The winter solace is uh, a great study. I don't know if you've ever, you know, been interested in the different seasons and why God orchestrated the different seasons, but there's some really healthy things that happen during winter. And my, my message isn't about that, but let me share one of the most important aspects of winter so that you can hopefully adopt this philosophy in your life. Winter is a season of rest. Don't stack your schedule. Be careful. There's a time where the sun's out a little bit longer. The days linger. It's a little bit warmer. You can get a lot more done. But God knows that we need a a slow down season in our life. And winter is that season where you can pull it in. You can read a little bit more. Reflect. You can journal. You can take it easy. Think about the good things that winter produces. Uh, Joe mentioned, and I just want to say once again, what a tremendous honor it was yesterday just working with all of the guys. We'll have other work days because we we know that that's very healthy for men to work shoulder to shoulder. It's just how iron sharpens iron. Had a wonderful time. Um, But uh, yesterday was the type of day, even though it was very chilly, This is something I want to say that I'm very appreciative of Iowans. Regardless of how cold it is, we still get out and live. I mean, we know how to buy the right kind of outerwear, and we get dressed, and we get up, and we get going, and we get moving, and we get doing. You bring folks up from the south, and they get up here, right? Their cute little southern selves head south in a hurry. I would say that there is something that is very healthy about living in a part of the world where there's four true seasons. I think it gives us better perspective and insight. I think it makes us people that are more rounded. And I know that there are favorite seasons and ones that are not favorites. But we have to be careful about complaining. Because God is the one who created seasons. And when we create and when we start complaining, we are finding fault with the God who created winter. Can I get an amen? amen. He created the snow. He created that. And, and so we have to be careful. That's why scripture says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So if you put those two verses together do everything without grumbling and complaining. Well, what am I going to do? In everything, give thanks. 
why this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Then you and I are on our way to developing an excellent spirit. And no matter what we face in life, God is going to promote us. God is going to protect us. God is going to preserve us because an excellent spirit always rises to the top. The the people that take the high road are going to end up on the high places. I'll say that again. The people that take the high road end up on the high places. People get promoted for a reason. People are promotable for a reason. People prosper for a reason. People are productive for a reason. It just doesn't happen for happenstance. It happens because someone has a spirit of thanksgiving. And that spirit of thanksgiving sets an environment for God to come no matter where they are. You could be 500 miles from where you want to be, but God is still close to you and near to you. He hasn't abandoned you. You could feel like, you know, your nation has been taken captivity and the laws and the legislators are changing and the leaders you don't like. But you don't have to get a sour spirit or a hard heart or become calloused because of it. You can protect your heart by giving thanks to God. It is the remedy that we need to understand protects us from all that's evil and dark. So Daniel's reputation was one of taking the high road. You know, every single day and daily, I should say, The Thanksgiving chair appears in all of our lives. It just shows up. It shows up from the time that we wake to the time that we go to bed. Even in times when we're experiencing injustices, betrayal, test of our faith, temptations, even when we're tempted to get into the flesh and behave very poorly as Christians, the Thanksgiving chair shows up. I pray that we would have sense enough to stop what we're doing and pull up a chair and give thanks. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.